Hello, friends. Hey, isn't this uh, an amazing morning to be together as the people of God and to lift our praises? When I came in this morning, my wife saw the setup and she remembered that Best Friends from Love of Christian was going to be here. And she said, you're not preaching much, are you? You just want to hear these guys. So what a gift. Thank you for using your gifts to bless and lead us. Thank you for using your gifts to inspire and uh, point us all to the God who created us and sustains us in every way. Uh, what a blessing uh, to be here today. We are uh, in this series we're sharing together uh, over it, the um, uh, month of October, Radical Hospitality seeking to hear these stories, these really rich and meaningful stories that ground us, that anchor us in the life of God and draw us into that practice that I believe is central to the life of God's people. We've been hearing stories. First, that story we heard about Abraham and Sarah who are camped out under the great oaks at Mamre when three strangers, three visitors come by. And as they receive them and they prepare an extravagant welcome and sit at the table with them, they discover that the three guests, the three strangers who had kind of wandered by, were not merely three strangers, but that they were visited by God himself and that God's word and God's blessing for them had come in this encounter with these three strangers. We heard that story. And then the next week we heard this uh, account of Moses who assembles the whole assembly. Moses gathers the whole assembly and stands before them and begins to lay before them teachings, really instruction to guide and sustain their life as the people of God. We get to that point alongside all the commands about honoring your father and mother and keeping the Sabbath and all of those that we're familiar with where God says to them, now, when you harvest your field, don't glean all the way to the edges. And when you uh, take the grapes from your vineyard, um, don't take them all. Leave some behind for the foreigner and the stranger, the alien, some translations say, so that you can care for them. Why? Because you were once yourselves aliens and strangers, and God cared for you. We heard that story. And then last week, we heard these words of Jesus as he's painting pictures of the kingdom for those who are following him, painting these pictures. And he gets to this one image really writ large across the sky in apocalyptic flair where he's talking about the end and God gathering those in the end. And he says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a prisoner and you visited for me. I needed clothes and you cared for me. You provided. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was sick and you cared for me. And they said, Lord, when did we see you? And he said, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. And we we heard that story and our own desire to see and to be with Jesus, to look into the face of the other and to see not just the face of the other, but the face of the living Christ. We heard these stories, but I've got to tell you that since we've began this series three weeks ago, since I began planning for it some weeks before that, I've been anticipating this story, this 
text that we hear today. I began my journey with this particular text some 20 years ago, dwelling in this text, coming back to it again and again and again. Not just to try and understand some of the fine nuances or the history behind it, but to live with it as a living word, to discern God in dwelling in the same text, reading the same text over and over again, creating space in the silence to listen carefully, inviting others to hear this text, to sit with it in silence and come back to it again and again and again, this text from Luke 10. And so I share with you the reading from Luke 10, a portion of which we read together at the beginning of this service. Hear the word of the Lord. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go. I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter its town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move around from house to house. And hear this, whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, Eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. God, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word and our hearing of it, that by your word and by your spirit, you would speak into our hearts and lives. You would animate us, draw us closer to you, fill us, make us complete and whole. Teach us to long for the coming of your kingdom and all the glimpses of it that you might offer. We pray as Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus has been gathering followers. Actually, he doesn't have to gather them much. They just come to him. They hear about what God is up to. They see it. They hear his teachings. They see his actions. And they live in anticipation that the kingdom of God is breaking out among them. And as Jesus draws them along on this journey, more and more of them, he begins to teach them about what it takes, the cost of following Jesus. That's the after this, the before, that's the after this. Thank you for worshiping with us via live stream. And he calls them to follow and they said, Lord, about our mission, we'll follow wherever you want. Do, Just let me go and take make. care of business. And Jesus says, no, no. So after this, from among all of them, he appoints 70, some translations say 72 others. 
and he sends them forth. He sends them into every town and place where he intended to go. A little bit like just friends. <laughs> Where's next? We're in Kerrville. This, where are we this week? Kerrville. I think we're in Kerrville. Where are we next week? Where were we last week? Every town and place where he intended to go, he sends them forth. Sort of God's advance team, right? Jesus' own advance team. Every town and place where he intended to go. Anticipating the harvest. Sending you out, he says. Pray for workers, for the harvest is plentiful. And then he launches them with one God-breathed, spirit-filled word. He simply looks out over them and says, Go. Go. And he doesn't just send them out in any old way. Okay, good luck. He sends them out in a particular way. In a specific way. You probably noticed this. I'm guessing it caught your attention. I'm sending you out filled with power. No one will be able to overcome you. Your words will be so forceful, people will fall flat on their faces. No. He says, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Just think about that for a moment. That God's sending launches his people in utter vulnerability. Risky. Costly. Lambs among lambs don't fare well among wolves. I don't know if you guys know that. This is lambs among wolves kind of stuff. If I'm hearing that and I'm the 72, I might think to myself, among if I'm among the 72, I might think to myself, well, wait a minute here. I get the kingdom of God coming stuff, and we we have a pretty good idea of what that kingdom should look like and means, but Lambs among wolves, maybe you have that backwards, Jesus. But he sends them in this risky, vulnerable way. And he tells them, did you notice? He says, take nothing. The language here is no purse, no bag, no sandals. Now, who's going on a trip like that? Anyone? Um, no purse, no bag, no sandals, empty-handed. That's what it, what it means, right? Empty-handed. You've got the clothes on your back. You don't need anything else. Go empty-handed. And when you come into these places where I intend to go, speak peace. There's a sort of weird, mysterious thing going on where he says, speak peace over a house. And if my peace is there, it will remain. And if not, it will come back to you. Speak peace. Seek peace. And then there's this thing about the food and eating whatever is set before you. Be utterly dependent upon the provision of others. And in the space between 
you and the ones you will encounter who will provide for you in the space between, maybe, just maybe, the kingdom of God will come near. I keep hearing the prayer Jesus teaches them. Pray this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Maybe, just maybe, in the space between us, these sending words are an opening for the kingdom of God to come. So I'm totally immersed in this story, and I'm dwelling in it. When we roll into Ciudad Juarez in 2004, just a few years ago, my son's here. He's 17. He was born in 2004. <laughs> we had gone to visit uh, in Ciudad Juarez because... I had come back with, you know, like sometimes college professors do, areas of interest that they want to study and dig into. And I was um, in a program on preaching and a class on preaching and ethics. And I'd done some research about border towns and border uh, policy and free trade and the ethics of all of that. And so I popped off to, in a class, to, and there was a student there in a doctoral seminar who said, well, if you want to see the maquiladoras, the maquiladoras, manufacturing plants on the border. Because of the free trade agreements, what happened in the 90s and into the 2000s was a lot of manufacturing, multinational companies located just the other side of the border. And a lot of the population from central and southern Mexico migrated north to the border because there was jobs and opportunity in the maquilas, manufacturing. So I said, I, mean, I would love to see that. And he said to me, well, I preach for a church right across the border. If you'll come and visit and do a seminar, I'll take you across and you can visit the maquilas. And I said, done. And so Labor Day weekend, I want, went and did a seminar in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And then we hopped in a van, a few of us. And we made our way across, and they drove around, and they pointed out the maquilas, and I was like wide-eyed and seeing all this for real and all of that. And then after we had done that, they said, oh, we want to take you to meet a family. And they drove us to the outskirts of the town into the colonias that surround Ciudad Juarez. And there's a picture, I think, that you may be able to see. This is just sort of one snapshot of that little colonia, these little houses made of, uh, this is actually the church building, but these little houses made of cinder blocks, and then some of them around them that don't have cinder blocks are out of uh, shipping pallets and cardboard. There's no running water. Water truck comes by, puts water in a trough. There's no electricity, and so they pirate it. The main power lines, they throw a wire over, and it runs across the ground, and the children are running around playing. This is the colonias outside of Ciudad Juarez, uh, the next slide has, uh, this is the bathroom facilities in Ciudad Juarez, a hole in the ground, and some plywood. So I go to visit. And they say, we want you to meet this family. And we pull up. Their, names, uh, their, their name is the Carrillo family. It's Enrique and Anai and Ava and Julie and Elaine and Kike. They're five little children Small at that time. This next picture is a picture of me. That's what I used to look like. <laughs> In 2004, was much cooler then, or I thought I was. <laughs> and Julie. 
And they said, come. We've made food for you. And it was extravagant. They have nothing. Dirt floors. Hole in the ground toilets. Cardboard walls. And they laid all this out. And that wasn't even the the most astonishing part of it. It's the love that poured out of them because they knew Jesus. There's another picture. I think there's one more. It's me sitting on the sofa. I think that's Elaine. I'm telling you that in the space opened up between us with people I hardly knew that I had nothing to offer them other than my presence to receive their hospitality, to know their embrace. The space was opened up for the kingdom of God to come near, for the kingdom of God to come near. I have a sense that that's how it works, that that's what this Luke 10 business, this story in Luke 10 is about. And when I crossed back over the border later that night, I sat up for hours talking with the friend who had accompanied me, and we said, what, what is this that happened? And he said, I don't know. But I feel called to come back again and again and again just to listen, to receive love and give love and know that God shows up in the space between us. And so we did. We returned. I came back the next time with my wife and kids. And we had Christmas together in Ciudad Juarez. And we shared meals together and life, and love together. And it was nothing of this top-down, we have, and you don't. It was this mutual space between us where the love of God presented itself and the kingdom of God drew near. I could go on and on talking about the journey that led them when things got violent. How many of you remember how violent things got on the border and, and they experienced that very near to them. And they said, we've got to get out of here. And they came across to, to, to be with us in Buffalo Gap in West Texas for a while. And then they couldn't stay there for long. And so then they ended up down in the very southernmost part of Mexico in Chiapas, where it's very, very poor, the most poorest place in Mexico. And we walked with them there. And we ate with them there at their tables and they took us up into the mountains where they grow the, some of the best coffee in the world. My love language. <laughs> we walk the coffee fincas. And I have this sense that the kingdom of God shows up in the space between us in these kinds of ways. When you enter a town and are welcomed. Say peace to this house. If my peace is there, remain. Stay there. Stay with it. Eat what's set before you. Heal the sick. 
And that might just be something inside of you. And know that the kingdom of God has come near. I'm dwelling in this story in Luke 10, immersed in it, my own journey. And then I'm inviting this little West Texas church in just south of Abilene and Buffalo Gap, where I'm serving as preacher while working for ACU. And we're reading Luke 10. We're reading it over and over again. We're sitting in silence with it. And we're sharing with each other what God is speaking through the text. And we're dwelling in it again and again and again. We're straining to hear what God might have to say and where God might be leading us. And most of us, quite frankly, drive out from Abilene, out south of town. It's not a far drive. Maybe 20 minutes or so, 25 minutes to the little community in Buffalo Gap. And it's quaint. It's got oak trees and that's a find in West Texas. And the little stone church building there. And, and we drive in and we drive past all the people who actually live there. And then we huddle up in our church building and then we drive out again. And at some point sitting with this story, this text from Luke 10, we realize that God is saying, go. And we are head down in our church building. We begin to realize we don't know anything of the people of that place. And in one of these moments, Sam says, you know what? If I wanted to get to know the people in my community, in my neighborhood, down the street, you know what I would do? Sam, who had worked in the food service business, big heavyset guy says, I'd throw on my apron, fire up the grill in the backyard, and invite everybody to come over. Sam was like that. He said, well, that's what we ought to do. And we said, Sam, that's a great idea. Someone says, you know, instead of just having a church service on a Sunday night, maybe we should just have a cookout, invite the community. And everybody got animated, started to work at this. And we made plans, you know, who's bringing what, and who's doing what. And somebody said we should put up signs. We put up flyers around town and a big banner in front of the church, community cookout, Sunday night, da 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 And the time rolled around, and, and we mobilized the army, and they were chopping onions and tomatoes, and the grill was, smoke was billowing up. And we waited, <laughs> and we waited, and no one from the community came. I am not making this up. And we said, well, it turned into a big church fellowship, hamburgers and hot dogs. Someone had the wisdom to say, no, let's do this again. Let's keep doing it. And so the next month, we did the same thing. I'm telling you, flyers up, sign out, chopping onions and tomatoes and smoke up from the grill, flipping hamburgers and hot dogs, talking to each other. And no one comes again. Except for one guy. There's one guy. His name's Billy Wilson. And Billy comes to the cookout, and he's sitting there with all of us, and he's meeting everyone, and everyone's meeting him because it's kind of like, you know, 30 on one. <laughs> and Billy's been in that community for a lot of years, and we've bathed so much, and there's not that many people, and there's stuff left over, and Billy's sitting there at the table, and he says, well, I know a, I know a guy who lives in a bus. Oh, he said, he said, I know a man who lives in a bus. Said, what, what? He said, yeah, his name's Don. And if you go down this way and down the county road, he's got an old broken down school bus and he lives in the bus off the grid. 
He said, sometimes he walks into town and he said, I try and pick up a breakfast burrito now and then from the country store and take it out to him every once in a while. That's how I know Don. He said, he'd probably appreciate a visit. And then Carl, one of our members who was actually from the area said, I know that, that, yeah, there's that little couple that lives in the house If you go down right before you turn to go out toward the road that goes out to Perini Ranch, and they live in this little old James and Kay, maybe they'd appreciate a visit too. And all of a sudden, the imagination for our cookout changed. It had been mostly a (laughs) cook-in. And then it became a cook-out. And we heard these words, go, I'm sending you out. And I made my way to to Don's bus, and I stood there at the fence he had constructed around the bus, and I hollered back, and he said, who's that? And I said, hey, I'm just uh, from the church down the street, and um, Billy Wilson, you might know him. Oh, yeah, I know Billy. He sent us, and I thought I'd come see him. He, He came out from around the bus, came up to the fence, never opened it. We stood across the fence, chatted for a moment, and then I left. And then I came back, and I came back, and before I knew it, he opened the gate, and he invited me back, and we sat in the old uh, lawn chairs back behind his bus, and he built a little fire on a little makeshift fire pit he had made out of cinder blocks and made coffee in his little tin percolator, best coffee in the county, he told me. You see the coffee theme in this sermon? (laughs) And Don began to share his story with me. He said, I walk everywhere because he's so chronically ill that any jostling of his body causes him pain, and so he prefers to just walk. And he says, you know, when I walk, things slow down, and I pay attention to things, and I can sense that God speaks to me in those moments. That's what Don said to me. He said, most people are so busy, they're just caught up. This is Don's language. They're just caught up in the rat race. He said, just like that, rat race. They they can't ever hear God. He used to say, I'd say, Don, do you need anything when I left? And Don would say, "Um, a few kind words and a little time. That's what he said he needed. This is Don. It's a fuzzy picture. It's the only one I have of him. He's sitting in one of those lawn chairs on the stage in a theater on campus before about 600 students in a lecture that I gave. That's Don. A few kind words and a little time. That's all I need. Most people think they need a lot of stuff. He said, I have everything that I need. He had very little. And I thought, oh. At one point, I said this to Don. I, I took the piping cup of hot coffee that he was handing to me and the wind blew gently and there were the sound of the chimes that he was dangling off of his bus. And I looked at Don and I said to him, against uh, thinking against all that would seem to indicate that I have something for Don. Maybe even that I'm Don's teacher. I am a teacher. 
I was a teacher. I teach. In that moment, another possibility comes clear. And I said to him, well, Don, I tell you what I think for what it's worth. I think that somehow you've come into relationship with me and the people of our church. We've come to know you and you've come to know us. And I think it's because you have something to give us, not the other way around. You have something to teach us, not the other way around, about how to live simply, about how to live a contented life, something to teach us about how to live with hope and faith in the midst of pain. You've got something to teach us. And Don doesn't say a word in response to that. He sits there in his chair. And the show of emotion is the only show of emotion I ever saw from him. And I have a sense that in the space opened up there, the kingdom of God had come near. After this, he sent them out two by two to every town and place he intended to go. He sent them vulnerable. He sent them empty-handed he sent them with peace to find peace, to receive the gifts of the other. And when they returned, they were astonished and they were filled with joy. They were, quite frankly, blown away at this simple journey. And guess what Jesus said when they came back, their faces all aglow. Guess what Jesus said? He said, I tell you what I think happened. Jesus said, I saw heaven fall like lightning. I saw heaven, Jesus says, fall like lightning. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, my friends, is a radical hospitality, not the kind that leaves us with the presumption that we somehow have something to give to someone else such that we are always putting in the position to be the receiver. Do you know what that does? When the direction only flows one way, when you don't allow them to minister to you, to give to you, But when we open up that space to not only give with extravagance, but to receive the extravagance of the love of God, of, of themselves, that the space is open for the kingdom of God to come near and the future of God breaks in and leads us forward. Here is where I believe we are, Kerrville Church. Right on the cusp of God's inbreaking. And the radical part of it is that all it takes is to hear the word go and to go. May God bless the reading and the hearing of God's word. May the kingdom of God break in here 
as it is in heaven, I saw heaven fall like lightning. Thanks be to God.